0: That Chat is brought to you by Walters. Walters is the spot to be at this Saturday between the pregame party for DC United, the musician Matt Waller, and UFC 278.
1: Register for free at waltersdc.com
2: and you will earn a free beer in the process. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Still one and two. Morano, the set of the letters. He deals. Swing and a miss. He struck him out with a high fastball and then pumps his fist with enthusiasm. Soto slams the helmet down and the bat as well as he strikes out stranding the bases loaded. He strikes out Grisham and Soto back-to-back. Victor Arano earns himself a Houdini hat. Hater to the belt. Cruz for the right side awaits the bat tucked in against his chest. The pitch is inside ball four. He missed with a fastball. Four pitch walk with the bases loaded. And here comes Cesar Hernandez to score. Here's Finnegan's pitch. Ground ball right side. Racing his right. Hernandez. He shovels to Abrams. Throw to first. It's a double play. It's a double play. It's a curly W in the books in San Diego.
0: And welcome to Nats Chat for Friday, August 19, 2022, along with MadisonSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who is at Petco Park in San Diego. I'm Al Galdi, host of the. Al Galdi podcast. The dream remains alive. The Nats technically can still finish the season with a winning record. They early Friday morning rallied for a 3-1 win at the San Diego Padres now are a major league worst 40 and 80. So loss number 81 still has not happened. There still is that chance that the Nats could finish with a winning record. Uh, but the Nats uh, came through with the win on Thursday night. Came through with the kids, right? We had a pitcher's duel involving Anibal Sanchez. We had a key bases loaded walk in a two-run Nats ninth being drawn by Nelson Cruz. We had a solo homer and a single from Ildemar Vargas. The kids fought hard. The Nats did win. And Mark, uh, the Padres aren't exactly killing it since all of these uh, major trade acquisitions prior to the MLB trade deadline.
1: They are feeling the pressure here, Al, and the crowd was kind of giving it to them late in that game, especially when Juan Soto struck out with the bases loaded, and then when Kyle Finnegan induced the game-ending double play, they had a sellout crowd that was ready to burst here, and they never got the opportunity to. Things have not gone so swimmingly for the Padres since the Soto and Bell and specifically Josh Hader trades, and I'll tell you what, the Nats, know they are nowhere close to a pennant race, but they're involved in some pretty meaningful games here and are going to continue to be over the rest of the season. And they are taking something out of this. They are feeling it for them. This is as big of a game as they're going to face all year long. And they were enjoying this one. And I got to say, it was a actually a pretty compelling ball game and a pretty exciting finish in the end.
0: Yeah, it was. Old-fashioned baseball on display late night Thursday night. So, Both Juan Soto and Josh Bell, each guy's first game with the Padres was on August 3rd. The Padres beginning on August 3rd and moving forward are a mere 6 and 9. Josh Bell in particular has been woeful for the Padres. He on Thursday night went 0 for 4. He has an OPS of 419 with the Padres. Soto's been okay, but not like dynamic. And Josh Hader has really struggled. And the Nats got to Hader on Friday night. So it was good to see that. But what put the Nats in position to win this game was a good outing for Annabelle Sanchez. For the first time in seven starts here, Annabelle Sanchez came through. I mean, it's all relative, but you ended up having a pitcher's duel between Annabelle Sanchez and you, Darvish, in this game. Now, Darvish lasted for eight and a third innings, Annabelle, five innings, but one run in five innings. He only gave up one hit the home run by Manny Machado with one out in the bottom of the fourth to tie the game at one but Anibal, four strikeouts, two walks, 79 pitches, 45 strikes versus 34 balls. That was nice to see. did a good job.
1: Yeah. As he said, this was the first time all season long that he felt like he had everything working. He could throw any pitch in any count. That's how Annabelle Sanchez is effective. When as a hitter, you have no idea what he's going to throw because he can throw any of six different pitches and it doesn't matter what the count is. So whether that was occasional fastball that would top 90 miles an hour or the occasional butterfly changeup that would come in at 64 and completely baffle hitters. That was the old classic Annabelle Sanchez there. And to his credit, he was getting relatively quick outs, at least by his standards. Gave up the one home run and that was on a 3-0 pitch and made a mistake of just leaving one over the plate. But other than that, he had everybody else on their heels. The other thing they did well, they played good defense behind him, especially in the shift. We talked about this the other night, how often it feels like they play the shift and then they end up giving that weak single to the open part of the infield. Instead, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but Sanchez was pitching to the shift and they were getting these outs, having fielders in proper position. You see what a difference a good shortstop makes. You also see what a difference a good third baseman makes. C.J. Abrams, Ildemargo Vargas. Have made a difference here in the last week with their defensive play. And I think that's been as important a part of this as what the pitchers have done. But really, for the first time, Annabelle Sanchez walked out of a game feeling good about where he's at. I know he didn't get the win, but he felt very good about the position he put his team in.
0: Yeah, I mean, that felt a lot like second half of the 2019 season, Annabelle Sanchez on display on Thursday night. You mentioned Il Vargas. You know, not that this is like a huge deal, but It has become pretty clear he has supplanted Michael Franco as the Nats' number one third baseman, and Vargas is doing a nice job, and he had a nice game on Thursday night. Ildemar Vargas on Thursday night as your national starting third baseman and number nine batter, two for three with a solo homer and a single. And for a while, he was the Nats offense in this game. Ildemar Vargas in that Nats one-run third, a two-out solo homer off Yu Darvish to right field for a one nothing Nats lead. That was Vargas's first home run as a Nat. Vargas in the top of the six, a one-out first-pitch single off Yu Darvish to center field. 47 plate appearances for the Nats at the major league level. 362 on base percentage. And a lot of that is is batting average, which is really good. But man, he has kind of been quietly productive here for the Nats. And like I said, Franco, he's become a part-time player. Like Franco for the longest time, right, was the Nats every game third baseman this season. And Vargas has uh, certainly overtaken Franco at this point.
1: Yeah. And what's funny is he's playing for his defense. Davey said like he wanted that. He specifically wanted a guy out there working alongside C.J. Abrams, especially because Vargas has actually played more shortstop and second base in his career, so he feels like he can be a good influence on Abrams. Well, it turns out he's also providing a lot of offense for them. Outside of Joey Manessis, you could argue he's been their most productive hitter here for the last couple of weeks. That says a lot about the state of this lineup as currently constructed, but he's hitting 341 since he came up here and Not known as a power hitter, but he hit that pitch off Darvish as well as any power hitter would do. And that was a loud sound off his bat and it was really cute after the game. We interviewed him when we were done. He said, hang on, he wanted to say one more thing. He wanted to give a shout out to his mother in Venezuela. She has not been able to travel to the U.S. to see him play this year because of visa issues. He hasn't seen her since January. He called her his true hitting coach, <laughs> said he talked to her before the game, and she predicted that he was going to have a good game offensively against U Darvish. A really sweet moment. We tend to forget sometimes these international players don't get to have family around them all the time. Ildemar Vargas is playing for his family who's not here, but very much still behind him all the way.
0: I like that. Walt Riniak and Mama Vargas, two famous hitting coaches in the baseball world. Not a bad thing. Uh, yeah, good stuff from Ildemar Vargas. You know, it's funny with him, right? He was brought up from AAA Rochester to essentially be the A-Ray Adrianza replacement. The Nats uh, selected the contract of Vargas from Rochester on August 1st. This was done off the Nats earlier in the day, having traded Adrianza to the Atlanta Braves. And Vargas, uh, so far here, doing a nice job for the Nats. You know, like I mentioned earlier, he's not, you know, some young building block or anything. This is his age 30 season, but he has been productive for the Nats. Are you a law firm partner looking for a better situation for your practice and a blockbuster contract worthy of Joey
2: Fourbags Meneses?
0: If so, you should call Mason Kalfis of Zenith Legal in Washington, D.C. Works with law firms and lawyers on finding the perfect match. No platoons 3535, or check out his website, zenithlegal.com. This is an unprecedented time in the legal market, and many top firms are looking to expand. Call Mason today. Zenith Legal also works with associates and distinguishes itself
2: And the pitch. Swing and a line drive to left field. Starting in as Myers goes back. He makes the catch. Tagging from third and coming down the line to score is Alex Call. The other runners hold. Robles at second. Cruz at first. It's a sacrifice fly and a run batted in. A huge one for Kbert Ruiz. Two runs home in the inning. It's now the Nationals three
0: and the Padres one. So the Nats did score two runs in the top of the ninth to break a one all tie. And Nelson Cruz in that Nats two-run ninth, a tie-breaking, bases loaded, one-out, four-pitch walk off Josh Hader to give the Nats 2-1 lead. Uh, Hader is not doing well as a Padre, and uh, Cruz got to him here in this inning. I mean, a four-pitch walk like that to bring in that uh, tie-breaking run. You also had in that Nats two-run ninth, Alex Call, who had come off the bench for defensive purposes, a one-out first pitch single to center field to knock you Darvish out of the game. Kbert Ruiz had an RBI sack fly. Luke Voigt got hit by a pitch. I mean, it was kind of classic 2022 Nats baseball in that inning, but that's pretty good. Two runs in the top of the ninth off Hader to win at the Padres.
1: Yeah, and it starts with the hits off of Hugh Darvish to set the table and knock him out of the game. And a big at-bat there from Alex Call. We thought he was in the game for defense for Yadiel Hernandez, which seemed a little odd because the game was still tied at that point. Turns out Yadiel had a cramp in his calf. So he actually came out of the game because of injury. And that's why Alex Call was in there. And he ends up facing Darvish, knocked him out of the game with a base hit. So now it's first and second one out. Here comes Hayter. And I got to tell you, from having seen him enough over the years, when he is good, he's unhittable. When he's off, he is a disaster. Out there, And the Padres are seeing that right now from him. And it sounds simple to say, but I give Luke Voigt and Nelson Cruz credit. They laid off. They made sure that Hader threw the ball in the zone. There were times where I'm sure you could get antsy, try too hard to make something happen. Instead, let Hader beat himself there instead of the Nationals needing to beat him. So those were good quality plate appearances from them. And then Kevin Ruiz hit the ball really hard to left field, and that's exactly what you needed there. Just get the ball in the air, bring another run home, and that's all they needed on this night. So, you know, we love the home run when they do hit him, but if you're not going to do that, find a way – especially once you get runners in scoring position, just to get them home somehow in the ninth thing of a tie game. They executed very well
0: there. Yeah, I mean, Thursday night was kind of one of those classic examples of when you pitch and play defense, you can have a lackluster offense and still succeed. I mean, The Nats in this game, three runs, a mere six hits, just one walk, one for four with runners in scoring position. If not for the pitching and defense, the story is yet another just, you know, nothing happening offensive game for the Nats. But you frame everything differently. You say, well, they played small ball and they won. Why? Because they pitched and played defense on Thursday night. And uh, that's a formula that can work. Now, how about the Nats bullpen in this game? So more good work overall from the bullpen. Five Nats relievers combined. For four scoreless innings with four strikeouts, we saw Jake McGee, we saw Hunter Harvey, we saw Victor Orano, we saw Carl Edwards Jr., and we saw Kyle Finnegan. Some things that really stood out. So, how about Orano? Came into the game, bottom of the seventh, one out, runner on first, gave up a single and a walk to the first two batters he faced to load the bases but he then recorded back-to-back swinging strikeouts of the Padres' numbers one and two batters, Trent Grisham and Juan Soto. And boy, Soto, not happy at all with that performance. He, upon swinging and missing for the third strike, slammed both his bat and helmet on the ground. Uh, We're not used to seeing that. Edwards tossed a perfect bottom of the eighth, and Kyle Finnegan somehow tossed a scoreless bottom of the ninth for the save. He issued a one-out five-pitch walk of Will Myers, then issued a one-out five-pitch walk of Ha Sung Kim. So bases loaded, one-out. Kyle Finnegan, it feels like if he doesn't come into the game in a jam, has to create a jam in order to succeed. And he succeeded. He induced a game-ending 4-6-3 double play off the bat of Jurekson Profar for the save, despite Finnegan over his 19 pitches, throwing seven strikes versus 12 balls. Wow. That was some strikes-to-balls ratio for Kyle Finnegan. But you know what? It reads in the box score like the guy tossed a scoreless ninth and got the save. So wasn't easy, but the bullpen got the job done.
1: It only matters when you throw those strikes out. <laughs> you know, final total doesn't matter as so long as you throw strikes the right moment. Here's the stat of the night. As a staff, they issued seven walks in that game. Five of them were to the Padres' seven, eight, nine hitters. So they were having success facing the big boys at the top in the middle of the lineup. They were then letting the bottom of the lineup reach base like crazy. And where it almost came back to haunt them is one more batter. And now the Potters are going back to the top of the lineup in the ninth. And Finnegan's going to have to get Grisham and potentially Soto Machado out to end the game. And instead, induces a huge double play. And by the way, that 4-6-3 to end it, that was the smoothest 4-6-3 they've turned all year. Again, showing you what a difference it makes to have clean competent defensive players in your infield, I want to talk about the Arano situation in the seventh because that to me was kind of the game in a nutshell right there. Davey Martinez is not imagining that that inning's going to end with Victor Arano facing Juan Soto. He brings him in to face the bottom of the lineup, believing he's going to get out of the jam there. Instead, he gives up, again, bottom of the lineup was killing them, single to Kim, the number eight hitter, walks the number nine hitter, Nola. Now he's got the bases loaded and he's got to face the big boys, Grisham and then Soto. And at least for one batter there, Grisham, he had to face him. You can't pull him because you got the three batter minimum. So even if he wanted to bring in Finnegan or somebody else there, he had to stick with Arano. So big time props to Victor Arano, who his M.O., his best pitch is a slider. And I think especially in the Soto at bat, you saw one selling out for that slider. And instead, what Arano did is he said, no, you know what? I got a 96, 97 mile hour fastball as well. I'm going to throw it up in the zone, catch you off guard. Soto was late on it and you saw the frustration from him as he swung and missed that last one and slammed the bat and the helmet down in frustration. Look, we love Juan Soto. We know everything he's capable of. We also saw him this year struggle with runners in scoring position for a good chunk of the season. Maybe feeling the weight, the pressure to make things happen. I would not be surprised if right now, The situation he's in, the situation the Padres are in with Fernando Tatis out for the year, Josh Bell struggling, this team trying to stay in a pennant race. I would not be surprised if Juan Soto feels the weight of San Diego on his shoulders and maybe it showed up in that at-bat there.
0: The sample size is small and we do have three games left in this four game series, but the Nats have done a pretty good job against Soto in these head-to-head matchups with the Padres over the last few weeks as the Nats are in the midst of this bizarro stretch of four consecutive series against just two different teams, the Padres and the Chicago Cubs. You do wonder if, you know, having had Soto here for years, the Nats know how to pitch to him. You know, like they have a sense of, hey, these are his weak spots and this is how we can get to him. You know, we'll see. Now, you know, he could go in a tear over games two through four in this series, but it does stand out. The Nats have done a pretty good job on Juan and have done a good job on Josh Bell. Now, Josh is struggling generally, so I don't know how much of that is like intimate knowledge of Josh Bell. But Nats have handled Soto pretty well in these games against the Padres.
1: Yeah, but Bell is 0 for against the Nats now in four games. So, I mean, he's really struggling against them. And with Soto, I think what you see, and I'm sure it's what they always knew the game plan against him for an opposing team is is two – is stay away, away, away. You're not coming in on him. It's not going to work. Especially stay away with breaking balls and change-ups down and away. See if you can get him to reach for those, either hit ground balls or maybe swing through them together. They did a, a pretty good job of that. They are also, though, have been getting him on some fastballs up in the zone. I'm a little surprised that that's worked, but they've been able to be effective doing that. But you also see they're not giving in. They'll let him take his walks. They understand certain situations. That's fine. Let him do that. Although, Arano had no margin for error. I think that's why that at-bat was so big. You're facing Juan Soto with the bases loaded. You cannot get him to chase anything. He's not going to. He is trying to draw the walk and bring in the go-ahead run. And so, Victor Arano made quality pitches inside the strike zone to get him. And that's why that at-bat, more than anything, stood out to me in this game.
0: Hey, guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. It is time for Window Nation's back-to-school sale. And what a sale this is. Two free windows for every two windows that you buy, plus pay nothing with no interest until 2025. Visit windownation.com or call 866 90 nation and tell Window Nation that Al Goldie sent you. Window Nation windows are the best. Lower your energy bills. Raise the value of your home with new energy-efficient windows from Window Nation. Get an A-plus in savings by taking advantage of the back-to-school sale. Again, Two free windows for every two that you buy, plus pay nothing with no interest until 2025. Window Nation knows exactly what it's doing. The average Window Nation installer has over 16 years of experience with over 20,000 windows installed, and Window Nation offers a variety of windows. Over 1,500 custom window combinations are available, vinyl, wood, and fiberglass. Visit windownation.com or call 866-90-NATION and tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you, and ask for the back-to-school sale, again, buy two windows, get two windows free on any style of new window from Window Nation. Plus, pay nothing until 2025. That's WindowNation.com or 86690Nation. WindowNation.com or 86690Nation, and tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. <music> Yeah, I talked to him today. He said
1: he felt really good. It's gotten a little shortened here. He wish he could go back out there, but he did finish some uh, an inning in the bullpen. We'll see how he feels. uh, You know, throwing his next bullpen. If everything goes well, um, I can see him possibly starting here again first. You know, after the day off. uh, You know, I'm going to sit with Hickey, and redo our um, our pitching, and uh, and then we'll go from there.
0: All right, we have some non-game Nats items to get into. Eric Fetty has been on the 15-day injured list since July 30th, retroactive to July 27th with right shoulder inflammation. But he has made a rehab start, and it sounds like he could be back as soon as early next week.
1: It went well. They had rain there at that game, and so he only officially went four innings, and I think it was 63 pitches. But He was able to go throw another inning in the bullpen at the end of it all just to build himself up a little bit more. He feels like he's ready. Davey Martinez kind of hinted that he thinks he'll be ready. They're going to re-examine this in the next few days, but it sounds like they are planning for him to come off the IL and start Tuesday night in Seattle. And then that's going to lead to some other questions about what else do they do rotation wise. Do they bump somebody? That's technically Corey Abbott's spot. They could push him back a day. He pitched well the other day. Maybe they bump him out of the rotation altogether. Maybe they make a move with Paolo Espino, who's had his issues. I don't think Anibal Sanchez is leaving the rotation now, not after the way he pitched in this game. I think Patrick Corbin, by all accounts, is staying in there. The other possibility, and Davey mentioned this, is at least briefly to do something like a six-man rotation. And the idea here would be this. Josiah Gray, they've been watching his innings all year long. He's looked great, has not shown any signs of fatigue, but they're very cognizant of this And understanding that there may be a point they have to either shut him down or skip some starts or things like that, one possibility would be to kind of have a six-man rotation and that would spread out his starts a little bit more and help get him at least further into September before they have to make that decision. Again, he looks great. He said he's felt good, but they do not want to get themselves in the position where they feel like they're pushing him beyond where they wanted to all along.
0: The other item is this, and this is just a terrible item. Cole Henry needing surgery for thoracic outlet syndrome. He, in an installment of the Busted Loose Baseball podcast that came out on Wednesday, said that he's going to be undergoing surgery for thoracic outlet syndrome. I mean, this was like nightmare news that came out. You know, for the longest time this season, one of the few bright spots for the Nats, one of the few positive developments was this rise of, of Cole Henry. The Nats took Henry in the second round of the 2020 MLB draft out of LSU. The Nats on June 2nd promoted Henry from AA Harrisburg to AAA Rochester. Henry at the time of the promotion had been excellent for Harrisburg. Seven starts, 23 and two-thirds innings, ERA of 0.76, a whip of 0.59. But he hadn't been pitching much lately. And it's always kind of murky with minor leaguers when they're hurt, because we don't get the information that we get with major leaguers. And so things are kind of cloaked in secrecy. And now it comes out that Henry needs surgery for thoracic outlet syndrome, the same thing that Steven Strasburg needed surgery for, the same thing that Will Harris needed surgery for. Neither guy has been the same since his surgery. TOS has been like a career killer for pitchers. And, you know, you don't want to be all gloom and doom here for a guy who's so young, but. This is a brutal blow. Cole Henry, the Nats' number six prospect per MLB pipeline. This was like the last thing that the Nats needed. Cole Henry needing surgery for thoracic outlet syndrome.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately, you had a sense something more was going on than we knew about. It's been two months since he last pitched, the last we had heard of it was that he had shoulder issue because they were trying to monitor his innings like so many other young guys. They said, well, we're going to give him a break and try to get him back so he'll be healthy and able to go at the end of the season. And a guy that we sort of thought we'd be seeing up here in September, maybe make his major league debut and set the stage to potentially join the rotation at some time next year. And while he doesn't have the pure stuff of a Cade Cavalli uh, or Mackenzie Gore, he's not going to blow you away, they really felt like he was among the most advanced pitchers they have in their system, a guy who can throw four different pitches, who commands well, who just has a good sense of how to pitch, even though he is young and inexperienced. And so I think they were pretty excited to potentially see him. And now, who knows exactly when that will be? Now, you can say Strasburg and Will Harris, and those have been you know pretty much disasters in both cases. And sure, you worry that it could be something like that. We also have to remember, first of all, this is a much younger pitcher at a very different stage of his career than those guys who've dealt with plenty of other injuries as well before this even came up. And the other part is it's such a different and unexplainable kind of injury. This is not the clear cut we've talked about. This isn't Tommy John. This isn't a rotator cuff. These aren't things that There's a clear everybody follows the same rehab pattern for. It can be different. It's sort of a generic term, thoracic outlet syndrome, for something that's not clearly defined as far as what the injury is. So it's possible that he has the thing. He spends the winter rehabbing, comes back in spring training, and it's never an issue for him again. It's also entirely possible this is a career changer for him, and he never amounts to what they hoped he might be. We'll have to wait and see. But certainly, the manner in which that came out is a pretty big blow for an organization that right now is all about young prospects and especially young pitching prospects because they have so few of them. They really need most of these guys at the moment to pan out. And if he's not going to be one of them, it adds even more pressure to Cade Cavalli, Mackenzie Gore, Jackson Rutledge, who's further away, those kind of guys to now actually live up to what they're supposed to be.
0: Yeah. I mean, it really was awful news and I think what's especially discouraging is that the track record for guys coming off surgery for TOS, there just isn't one in terms of guys coming back from that strong. Like at least with Tommy John, you can point to a number of people who have the surgery and then come back and are fine, in some cases even are better. You don't have that with TOS. Now, the sample size is a lot smaller, but so far in the history of this surgery – I mean, it feels like the end, you know, or at the very least, your career is like forever changed and not for the better. And, you know, we're seeing with Strasburg and Harrison, yes, they are older, so maybe it's different. But, you know, you have the surgery and then it feels like there are all of these pitfalls in the recovery because neither guy has had anything close to a smooth recovery. You know, there are things that pop up and then you have this ailment or that ailment and this is going wrong and that's going wrong. So, like, you know, I saw that Henry was like, well, it will be good to go for spring training next year. God bless him. I hope that that's the case. But you tell me, how much money do you want to bet on him being good to go for spring training next year? So yeah, I mean, all the best to Cole Henry. I hated seeing that news. That, that was just awful to see that. He's the Nats' number two pitching prospect right now after Cade Cavalli per MOB pipeline. You mentioned Jackson Rutledge. There is good news on him. You know, it's been slow coming with him, but he is really doing well for the Fred Nats right now. Last four starts, 25 innings, 29 strikeouts. ERA a 144, whip a 0.96. So maybe finally some momentum here for Jackson Rutledge. But man, Mark, it's just, it's like all of this bad news with an ads in recent years. And then you get another thing like this and this Cole Henry thing. It's almost like we've become numb to this stuff because there's been so much of it, but like, it is a big deal that something like this happened with this guy.
1: Yeah. It's almost like a, well, just chalk up another one, but you know, you get enough of them and now you're running out of potential prospects pan out. I said, especially from a pitching standpoint, they don't have the depth there that they're starting to get on a position player front. And yeah, look, not that any injury is ever good, but when Tanner Rainey finds out he needs Tommy John surgery, you say, okay, well, that's unfortunate, but you know what? A year from now, he should be all the way back, still pumping high 90s, and yeah, he's going to lose some time here, but there's every reason to believe that come you know the end of the 2023 season, he's going to be back pitching for them and hopefully at a high level. With this, it's far murkier, both the timeline for it and what kind of pitcher they end up being. Could be a totally different pitcher at the end of all that. You don't hear about this a lot with young guys, with minor leaguers. I mean, this is more something that you get after a long period of time pitching and wear and tear of that. So I don't know what to make of that. You know, we don't have a lot to go on here other than what Cole himself told them on the podcast and we got a little bit from Davey Martinez before the game. I would like to hear from Mike Rizzo, I'd like to hear from D. John Watson, their farm director. What really was going on here? Did they know all along this was a possibility? Did it just, you know, after him sitting out a month, did they come to realize this? It's unfortunate. And like you said, when it's these minor leaguers we don't see the progression of how these things devolve into what they do the way we do when they're at the major league level. We're actually seeing them out there rehabbing. It's hard to know what Cole Henry's actually been through over the last two months.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you follow Nat's minor leaguers or any team's minor leaguers, good luck keeping updated on injuries and why guys are out and missing games, etc. It's uh MLB and uh minor league baseball, they don't do a very good job at all of like putting out that information. Like if you want to follow these guys, you really have to hunt and search for information as opposed to like it being readily available for you to know what exactly is happening here. You tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast, Nats Chat Podcast, at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the Nat's Chat Podcast, hit up Tim Shover's Nats Chat Podcast. At gmail.com, you can find the Nats Chat podcast on Instagram at Nats Chat Podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please give the podcast a five-star rating. We very much appreciate that. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast.
2: The pitch. Swing a high fly ball, deep right field. Soto going back to the warning track at the wall. He's out of room, and it's long gone. That one clears the party deck in straightaway right field. Hildemar Vargas gives the Nationals a 1-0 lead. His first home run as a National, his second of the season. A no-doubter.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?